Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I have with me, as always, my co-host and friend, Grant McGalliard. Grant, how are you this evening? Well, what an honor, Parker, to be talking to Mr. 10,000. Uh, truly a, a milestone that you've hit there on Twitter. I, uh, it, yeah, it's, any, it's anyone who has fewer than 10,000 followers on Twitter is an animal. Um, I've always believed this. <laughs> I'm, I, here's, here's, the, here's the real inside baseball. Uh, 9,000 of them are bots. No, no, I actually did one of those the other day cause I was super bored and I, uh, looked it up and my ratio is actually pretty okay. Um, but the, uh, the folks at football outsiders want everyone verified. And so they're pushing me to get a blue check and I'm, I'm, I'm resistant, but I've heard when you become a blue check, you get extra filters on your, um, mentions, which would be excellent. Yeah, it's like you can set like where only other blue checks respond, um, you, only people you follow, things of that nature. So um, you can really just kind of you know be a recluse in your ivory tower and uh, and just hang out with the elite snobs of the blue check land if you do that. Yeah, that would be man. That's the that's the dream. Just not having to hear what Kevin forty six forty seven forty eight three 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 one has to say about every stupid thing. Oh, um, well, Grant, uh, we come here, uh, not to, uh, not to bury the 2001 TCU, uh, season, but to praise it. Uh, that's a lie. We're going to bury it. I think that's the other way around. We're going to do that. And now, yeah. Um, because we have to, we have to talk about TCU's 2021 and uh, how awful it was. And we're going to try and be objective, but we're also not going to be objective at all. And uh, well, let's do, we're just going to meander through, um, yeah, through a couple bits and just kind of put it, put an end to the season. Um, yeah. So TCU finished uh, five and seven, which is uh, underwhelming, Grant. Well, I, I, we, we can just start there. Our expectations from the season range from uh, did, did we settle on a floor of seven or a floor of eight? I think I'm trying to remember what we settled on in terms of floor. I can go back and find my notes um, from the preseason, I think. Um, but I'm pretty sure I had like if they don't hit 10 wins, it was a disappointment. I think was certainly something that I said. And if I didn't say it, then I definitely felt it. Um, yeah. Well, they got half that. So. There's that going forward. This season was um, was a disappointment uh, 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 in so many different ways. Um, I mean, it started out. I I think the off season um, we we kind of said, all right, if not now, when? If if TCU mm-hmm. can't, you know, we've been hearing that 2021 is going to be, you know, when things are going to happen. They got some transfers on defense. Um, they have an experienced offensive line. This is what TCU wants to be. Um, and I think what we saw is that once once that got out on the field, we saw immediately in the Cal game and then in the SMU game that TCU, um, in fact, did not really know what it wanted to be. And in, in, in the last couple of years of identity-less football were um, not some kind of crescendo into a, a successful season, but in fact, they were a flailing in the deep end of the pool as um, – the, the head of TCU football sank deeper and deeper under the water. Yeah. It, it, have you seen Arrested Development, Parker? Uh, I haven't. Um, I know that's total hipster that I haven't watched something that's objectively good, but I just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, it just it, 
going into there's a lot of like you know narrative inserts ron howard's voice will come in and say actually this happened and that's i I wish that could have been we could have had that feature for our preview podcast for tcu where it's like well this is the year max duggan takes the leap and this is the year that the offensive line you know is just screwed together enough to where it is average and not actively bad and so the offense can function and the defense returns a bunch of, you know, there's some holes, but they have capable players to fill those holes. And I just wanted Ron Howard's voice to say, none of that turned out to be true. Like immediately <laughs> yeah. after, like, actually, as it turns out, it was all wrong. Um, it, it was a complete disappointment. And I should have probably planned out this assessment earlier, but it's the most disappointed I've ever been as a TCU fan. If you look at 2016, uh, when they played Georgia in the Liberty Bowl and lost, uh, that was a disappointing year, but you get it because it was after, you know, Boykin left and they were trying to fill holes and, and there was still clearly like a platform for TCU to play better the next year. If you look at 2000, uh, what was it, 19, um, the West Virginia game where they missed a bowl game. I was disappointed, don't get me wrong, but that team was still really young. It was Duggan's first year as a starter. Um, Alex Delton started multiple yeah, games for TCU so that year. Yeah. What do you want? You know what I mean? This year is the most like there's there just wasn't an excuse for how it, the excuses that the players oh I was gonna say something really mean the excuses that the talent wasn't what we thought it was and that that is the like the worst excuse of all yeah so again we're we're totally going off of um, the even the bits that we thought we had but let's let's talk about talent for a little bit so sorry I didn't Grant, mean to derail this podcast you were supposed to drive no no, no I don't I was, we're just chatting about the frogs man yeah um. What do you think was the most talented position group this year? And what do you think was the the biggest disappointment in terms of position group this year? Uh, you might hate me for this. I think running back was the most talented position group. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, you have Evans, who, and we'll get to, you know, MVPs and kind of standouts and all that later. But I thought everyone's, Evans is, was exceptional. And while he didn't play for a large part of the season. When he did play, he was a game changer. Kendrick Miller was much better than I expected, and Amari Marcado was there. I mean, he, he wasn't actively bad, um, which is more than you could say for a lot of units uh, for TCU this year. So I, I, I think running back might be my pick. What about you? Um, I think I think running back's definitely up there. I think that wide receiver is probably right behind it, just in terms of top to bottom talent. I think we saw when when QJ was out or when teams were kind of you know clamping down on him, Darius Davis was extremely versatile, if not erratic, and uh, and that at least was um, good. And and again, I maintain that there is an offense that can take the stable of that could take the stable of. Darius Davis, Tay Barber, Quentin Johnston, Savion Williams, Blair Conright. Uh, who else am I missing? I mean, uh, Luke Party. I mean, they're just these uber talented guys. Jake Party's um, brother, yes. Uh, but but yeah, so I, I think that overall, I, just because running back was so immediately thin, I think that it exposed that like yes, the the they had the most talented. Uh, maybe the second most talented player. But I think that, you know, TC's best player is Quentin Johnston. And I think that their best unit was wide receiver, even if they didn't use them well. It's kind of like in expectation. Yeah, I understand that. As far as the the unit that disappointed the most, dude, I, I won't say offensive line because I thought 
it would be average to you know at best have you seen so, the guy that's holding the sign i'm not yeah. gonna curse but i want to curse he's yeah. like our expectations for you are low but holy f word yeah that's how yeah. i feel about this offensive line it's uh it's vince vaughn and dodgeball it's if you don't have any expectations you'll never be disappointed um but linebacker dude a gaping hole between one yard and 10 yard off the line of scrimmage every single play yeah man and like D Winters was so bad this year, not because he's a bad player, but because he just like had to cover for everyone at all times and was constantly like standing up and putting his hands out. Like what the hell guys? Um, Yeah. So, so I think uh, I was going to go with the secondary just because I think that they, obviously it's hard to fill like the shoes of Trevon Merrick and Ardarius Washington, but I sure. really do think that they 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 just didn't. I mean, this is kind of the same thing with linebacker, but like they just didn't know what they were doing out there. There were guys who just no idea what they what they were doing. Yeah, I, the only thing about the secondary is that I think they were pretty injury plagued. Um, so I mean, call it what it is. CJ Caesar shouldn't have been on the field, and you said it before. It, it's hey, don't blame the thirty old. Don't blame the person who drove a car in the lake or whatever. Blame the woman who said, "I trust you." get in the car and drive. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. It, it, I, I really was not looking forward to doing this podcast because I was just going to get angry midway through it, but here we are. Yeah, I mean, it, let's, let's, let's put some flesh and bones. We'll probably go back to the offensive line and we'll go through our... Um, we're going deeper than deeper than we thought earlier. That's okay. Let's, let's look at some of these um, stats. I mean... Missed tackles, right? Uh, D. Winters had twenty-one. He had he had sixty-five tackles total, so that's like a one-to-three ratio of missed tackles. Um, Nook Bradford had uh, seventeen missed tackles on forty-six total tackles. That's again uh, one one to three right there. And then Lakendrick Van Zant, thirty-two tackles this season, seventeen missed tackles. That's that's half, man. That's that's very bad. Um, <laughs> And the way that TCU's defense works, like Lekendr- if Lekendrick Van Zant is getting, um, if he's having to make a tackle and he misses one, like things are going very, very bad. That's going to be a big play. Um, 28.3% missed tackle percent for Lekendrick Van Zant. Led the team among people who really played at all. Um, and right behind him, Josh Foster at twenty-six-point-seven. Uh, yeah, and, and the way, like you kind of alluded to it, but the way TCU's defense works is that individual defenders are put, are put on islands quite a bit. I mean, you think about Garrett Wallow kind of having to go and cover, and, and he, had, he had all those tackles, right? But he that's that was kind of his job. Hey, you know, it's not great when your linebacker has to make a bunch of tackles, but when you have a good player, they can cover a lot of holes in the defense. TCU didn't have a player that was able to kind of survive on those islands and make individual stops when needed. Um yeah, yeah. It, well, I mean, I, I really do. The, the more I've talked to people, the more there really was. There was two issues with TCU's defense, right? Um, there was one. There was a talent issue. There was there was guys who were just not good enough to make amazing plays to cover up for some of these inefficiencies, especially on the back end. Just like last year, Wash and and Merrick found themselves in positions where they were able to just and Wallow specifically were able to cover up. You know, when the front broke or when guys didn't fit the run correctly or when other safeties didn't know what they were doing this year, there wasn't any kind of like cornerstone bedrock there. 
Um, the second thing that happened this year, talking again, talking to some smart people on defense, was that uh, TCU really made no concession for guys not being good enough. Yep. And so just continued to do things the exact same, knowing that guys who are not good enough were going to be put on an island and exposed. And, and basically, Gary just kind of threw his hands up and said, I've done what I can do. Um, which is, which is not, uh, not good. No, it's, uh, yeah. There's that one meme where it's like, well, I've done all I can. And someone says, well, you've done nothing. And then he just walks out the door. That's, that's what Gary Patterson did basically this year. It's, I've done all I can. Well, your players stink. Well, sorry about that. Uh, yep. As if it's not his, part of his job description or was to A, recruit good players and B, start the players that will do the best job on the field. Um, and also hire a coaching staff that can keep players healthy enough to remain on the field. But that's water in the bridge because Gary's not the coach anymore, for better or worse. So He is um, He is not. Uh, yeah, that's, which is, that's a whole which is weird, other thing. Which is weird to say, but sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so again, on the defense, I think in the secondary, there was just the issue of, of guys not being um, talented enough. There was the issue that we talked about very, very early on that Kari Coleman was very obviously hurt bad. And instead of saying, hey, one of our defensive ends hurt, we're going to work around this and managing expectations, what TCU State Media Department did was say, Dylan Horton is the best pass rusher uh, in the history of pass rushers. And Dylan Horton is actually a um, secret god on the defensive side. And Kari Coleman might not have been the starter, even if he wasn't hurt, which we're not saying he's hurt. We just really like Dylan Horton a lot. Is this where we go to the segment that I'm really looking forward to, which is uh, PFF grades, yes or no? Because Dylan Horton, this is very funny. Parker, Kari Coleman played 280 snaps, not nearly enough, was rated a 72 by PFF. Dylan Horton played 518 snaps and was right behind him at 71.6. Yeah, so so again... Um, I, I, I'm not saying that to, like, you know have a discussion on whether or not PFF stats are the Bible, because we've talked about that before. It's just very funny to me that they wound up back to back. Yeah. Well, I mean, it definitely showed that they asked Dylan Horton to do very different things. Um, and that kind of goes into, I mean, it's the same thing when O'Shawn Mathis doesn't have a second guy, um, who's a threat. The, the, the defense gets really bad because the defenders are not always just running to the quarterback, right? They're not right. even always right. just playing contain. A lot of times, you know, Vass was talking about you, you they get in the frog stance and they play horizontally. Dylan Horton is not very good at that. Dylan Horton is not very good at dropping into coverage. Um, and so he really only can do a couple things, which means you kind of have to flip Mathis back and forth to um, – you know, to really show where he's going to um, or, or put put Horton in a situation where he can survive. And so even if Horton did well, even if Horton did, you know, 72 percent uh, of what he was asked, that really doesn't account for what he was asked to do was a lot different than what a better defensive end would have been. Um, yeah, would have been asked to do for sure. For sure. Can we at least go into funny things we found on PFF? Because I have a lot of that. Yeah, I, I would love this segment. So we're kind of talking about the defense. If you want to cross back over the offense, we'll just meander. I just we'll wanted to kind of open it up to the whole. Point. I just want to open it up to the whole uh, whole team because if you go into blocking grades, Parker, um, is it a good thing when you're when you're 
offensive lineman that plays the most snaps also has the worst grade? Uh, ideally, that's not that's not what would happen. Um, well, because Andrew Coker uh, had a fifty-seven point nine and played the most snaps of anyone on TCU's offense in general. So he, he allowed thirteen hurries, three sacks, eighteen total pass rushes, uh, incurred eight penalties, and did all this from right tackle, not even the blind side. Yeah, man, he is not good. Um, he is just, we have seen, I've seen enough. Stop the count. Um, Andrew Coker is, is very close to CJ Caesar territory in that it's, it's pretty bad to have him out there consistently because again, I, I do this all the same time, but it, Grant, it was worse than that. Like he is, oh, he yeah. is objectively worse than that, but TCU is not in a true pass set often at, at all. Yeah. No, I know. It, it, Parker, I don't know a lot about the offensive line, even though I was stuck there for the two years I played football in like junior high. Because Grant was fat. No, that's the weird thing. I wasn't. I was like 6'1", 170. I was just so slow. I couldn't play anywhere else on the field. Um, he is, it, I mean, it's noticeable how how ineffective he is um, Yeah. on the offensive line. Uh, shout out Steve for making second team all Big 12, but Dude, that unit as a whole was was something else. Well, dude, and I mean, Steve was awful this year too, and and Steve was like aggressively bad. Um, he was second team All Big Twelve. I'm not saying yeah, that as like a counter argument. I'm saying what the hell? No, because he was like first team. He was preseason like first team All Big Twelve, and he was a Remington Award watch list, and that's all a PR campaign because no one knows how to uh, how to evaluate offensive line. I mean, Grant, how many times this year did you see Steve just oh, absolutely no, get blown up or see Steve running around chasing his tail like a puppy while a guy ran by and, and pressured the quarterback? We, we've talked about this a lot, but the difference, uh, I, I can't remember what game it was. It's really every game involving two good teams. But the difference between good teams, offensive line, and TCU's offensive line is when if a lineman doesn't have someone to block, he goes and finds someone to block. TCU's offensive line does not do that at all. To a man, they don't do it. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name now, which it's he's going to the NFL, so who cares? But Obina Eze, I feel bad mispronouncing it, was supposed to be this all-world transfer and was not very good at left tackle. Uh, TCU decisively lost the uh, Obina Eze for TJ Storman trade. Yeah, and I thought Storm had sucked when he was here. Sorry, we don't like to bury individual players. Yeah, well, but I, I, mean, I thought he was bad, but yeah. Storm was bad, yeah. Um You just can't win, dude. There's just there's just no winning um at all <laughs> with this offensive line. Because I mean it doesn't even matter. So so um I think I looked this up and TCU had started seven different guys. Like they I mean, they really were just kind of rotating through. Um Coker, Obina, and Easy. Uh, excuse me, Coker, Obina, and Avila played, um, were, were the three staples. And then McMillan and Coleman were right behind them. But, I mean, they were rotating through Lands, uh, Harris, um, and uh, the third is is uh, really just Lands and Harris. Uh, really yeah, had more Lance than and Harris. You know, uh, Coleman got a couple. Um, Coleman actually started about the last half of the year, but yeah. Or did you say him? Yeah. I'm sorry. I was looking at the Yeah, the I, I did. And and so if you look Sorry. at like who started the most, it's 
easy at left tackle, 759 snaps. Coleman, 432 and lands 313 at left guard. Uh, Steve had 685 at center. Uh, Coy McMillan had 466 right behind him. Wes Harris, 202 at right guard. And then 741, only Michael Nichols played right tackle ever. So, like, at least you can say for Coker that he's durable. I don't, I don't know. I don't that's know if great. that's a skill necessarily. It's probably easier to not get hurt if you're never blocking anyone. So Right, exactly. I mean, looking at the, the start data, Coker, uh, Steve, and Obina started every game. They swapped out Lands and uh, and Harris and, uh, and, and McMillan uh, and Coleman. Coleman played, Coleman started the last, I think, eight games of the year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was just, weirdly, by the way, just as a, as a quirk, if you look in TCU's, um, like, stat book, they don't have any offensive line listed as starters in the Oklahoma State game. Which no, because there's no play-by-play data. Something weird happened. There, so, okay. I don't even think, um, does this have, does PFF count for the Oklahoma State game? I, don't I mean, know. I'm sure they had someone watch it. it. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, they had someone watch it, but no, there's yeah. no, there's no play by play data online for that uh, game this year. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, we're in the weeds. Is, is there anything else on PFF you wanted to to touch on, look at? Laugh no, I mean, at, I'm going to use it heartily because I, I think I think we'll go position by position. We should talk game by game and then get back in the weeds here. So basically, what we did right okay. there is just bitch, uh, and that's fine. We need to get yeah. that out, and that's um, just very annoying. Let's um let's go game by game and kind of talk. I think we talked about we're going to do some country songs um uh and and compare them. Um Yeah, to those I thought games. about this. So let's I thought about that. this way too much. Okay, I'm I'm going to I'm going to be I'm going to let you kind of be the I, I'll ask you and then I'll chime in as I as I have funny ones, but I'll, I'll let you drive okay. and we'll talk about them. Okay. Um, we, all right. So yeah, so go I'm going to read you how we'll do this. Again, we're doing it live. Um, I will read you the game and the score, uh, the opponent and the score, and uh, you will give me a country song and then we'll talk about it. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, Duquesne win 45 to three. Feeling good again, baby. We're going Robert Earl Keane. Listen, if you've listened to that song, he's not talking about big victories. He reached into his pocket, found three twenties at a 10. Dana Margarita were staying side by side. Look, he didn't win the lottery. You know, he, he didn't get a new Lambo, whatever. Small victories. TCU win, starts I, off the we, season. I'm in. We thought they were divorcing, but I guess they let it slide. Yeah. TCU went for it on fourth down on their first drive of the season. They let Max throw like three passes downfield on that first drive. Um I, you know, again, I have qualms with that, you know, Evans or uh, Max did an interception and then they handed it off to Kendra Miller five times the next drive and sure. then they took Max out. But that's whatever. I'm, I'm totally there with you. I think feeling good again is, is a, a, a great, um, just kind of encapsulation of like one pandemic is over. Well, yeah. that's, that might be a normative statement. You know what I'm saying? Pandemic yeah. football is over. The real football season's back. TCU is here. We've talked about this for a long time. They're wearing all purple. They go for it on fourth down on their first drive. We get to see Zach Evans, shiny new Zach Evans, finally play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I like that one a lot. Awesome. Uh, I should warn before we move on, because of the nature of the season, a lot of these are sad country songs. That one's not, but that's just where it goes. 
Um, all right, so Cal, Cal win 34-32. Uh, are you familiar with Keep the Wolves Away by Uncle Lucius? I am. Do you have a, a line or two that kind of directs us? Well, it's us, just the um, whole song is about, you know, just kind of doing what you can to stave off the wolves. You know, uh, yeah. I'm going for broke with every song I play because now it's my turn to keep the wolves away. And so, listen, you beat Cal, you stave off, you know, but man alive, it didn't look good. And you're just kind of scraping by. Okay, so my exact uh, my exact thought was very similar. The song I went for was "Getting By" by Jerry Jeff Walker. Yeah, which yeah. is uh, "Getting By" on "Getting By" is my stock and trade, and that really like TCU did everything they could to lose the cow game. They gave up big passes to an awful quarterback. Um, I, I I would be remiss if I did not know that Chase Garbers had an eighty seven point seven QBR. <laughs> Uh, and that is only because the opponent adjustment went down. It was over 90 at the beginning of the year, but, um, yeah, just, just absolutely awful game. And, 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 and the offense looked for every bit of hope we had in the Duquesne game, the cow game kind of crushed all of that, but it was like a, Hey, win by one, like literally all you gotta do is win by one, get right against SMU, go beat Texas. Hey, maybe you're, maybe you got something cooking. Um, yeah, so just getting by, I think is a good, uh, a good word for that one. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, then TCU goes and they lose to SMU at home. They let a white guy with a neck roll, uh, average seven yards a carry. They give up a billion rushing yards. Um, they lose to SMU for the second consecutive time, 42 to 34 this time. TCU's defense is awful all game, uh, Largely stops the pass, but cannot get a run stop to save their lives, literally, especially at the end of the game, and give TCU another chance to uh, to score there. So um, very, very embarrassing loss. What is your uh, – what's your song here? I, I focused a little more on the uh, the extracurricular activities here because the one I wrote down was Gin, Smoke, and Lies by Turnpike just because I wanted someone to, look, to tell Gary, well, have you been true? Well, have you been true? You better look me in the eye. Uh, when it comes down to all the, the crap surrounding the aftermath of that game. Yeah, that's a... Because um... I, I... The game sticks... Like, I know the game happened. I can remember details from it. But all of that is washed underneath the crap that happened after. Yeah, there, there was just so much nonsense that happened afterwards. Um, it's, it's really hard to... Uh, it's really hard to even, like, talk about the game... Um, I think that we can say this at the end of the season. Um, I mean, uh, Gary Patterson tried a media stunt here and ended up looking like an ass. Yes. Um, and, and doubled down and just this, this was the beginning of the end. And, and I think Grant, we said, I'm not even sure if I said this on the podcast, cause at that time we were still like, I don't know, man, what's going on here. But we, we, you know, you and I talked about like, man, if CDC were here, um, this, this would be the breaking point. This would be it. Oh yeah. And, uh, evidently, uh, Jeremiah Donati felt the same that, that, that I think not just losing to SMU, but losing to SMU and then throwing a conspiracy theory laden tantrum, um, very publicly was just, uh, just not, not a great look. I also like Jen smoking lies because we smelt Sunny Dykes cheap perfume and said, well, would you like to come on over anyway? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's uh there. yeah, there's another um <laughs> another layer. Yeah, that's 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 pretty good. Okay, well then the next week, um a game grant that you and I attended in person, very fun. Uh the Texas game, 
TCU um, had, a, had a really good shot to win this game, plausibly looking at what Texas was this season, should have won this game. Um, maybe got a, maybe got a little bit of hands from the ref, uh, refs with some phantom targeting calls, but, uh, they lost 32 to 27. So what country song are we, uh, are we going there? I have no more Buffalo by James McMurtry, which is kind of a song about the, uh, about the mirage lifting in a lot of ways. And I, if, if you'll allow me, uh, <clears throat> let's see, uh, somebody said it ain't any such man. You wish so hard. You're scaring me because those are combines kicking up that dust. But you can see what you want to see. And go on chasing after what used to be there. Top that rise and face the pain. But man, they were here. They were here, I swear. Not just these bleaching bones stretching across the plains. There you go. I like it. Yeah. Uh, big fan of that song. I, I went a little bit um, I went a little bit more mainstream uh, and, and went top top 90s for some of these. Okay. And so um, the one that thought... The, the emotion that that evoked uh, that the Texas game evoked for me was um, Shenandoah's two dozen roses. Okay. Uh, if I had two dozen roses and an all, older bottle of wine, if I really could have hung the moon, would it change your mind? If I could cry a little harder and get a little less sleep at night, if I had two dozen roses, would it change your mind? <laughs> oh, what could have been, Grant? The things. What could have been? The things that could have been, uh, but maybe we were just grasping at straws. All along. So after um, a pretty disappointing Texas game, remember the narrative around that Texas game was Gary always gets up to beat Texas. You know, there's some nonsense with SMU. They looked bad against Cal. They're only two and one. Maybe he's got a a card up his sleeve. And uh, he did not, in fact, have a card up his sleeve, Um, specifically because, again, the defense did very, very bad. Next week, we, uh, we, TCU, go to Lubbock. And uh, absolutely blow the doors off of Texas Tech by running the ball 17 million times, 52 to 31. The exact number there is TCU ran the ball 47 times for 394 yards. Both Evans and Miller had uh, uh, over 140 yards on the day. TCU passed just 10 times. Max Duggan completed 8 of 10, but a very short dot there. Yeah, and that's why I went with Fool's Gold by the damn Quails. Uh, yeah, you know, for a fool's gold, a beggar's bargain, there's too much time and space to get lost in. Uh, yeah, you know, hey, listen, we beat the shit out of tech. Great. Well, yeah, let's, let's look a little closer. That's, that's pyrite. That's what that is. Uh, along the same lines, uh, Shania Twain, that don't impress me much. (laughs) Um, oh, you think you're special. Oh, you think you're something else. Okay. So you're a rocket scientist. That don't impress me much. (laughs) <laughs> have I, t- I don't know I've told this before. When I worked for the Hood County News, uh, Granbury High School, so they have the winningest basketball coach in history. Lita Andrews won more games than anybody else in any level of basketball. She's a high school uh, girls basketball coach. And when the Shania Twain album with Man, I Feel Like a Woman, I don't remember what the album was called. Come On Over, I think. They warmed, they warmed up to that album in full before every basketball game for a decade. Like she just put the CD in the player and and, and hit it. So I'm all out there. Um, uh, the my, my my sister was a state champion gymnast in Florida for for many years, multiple state champion gymnasts. Um, and she won the floor a lot. I mean, she won the she was great at the bars. She was hardcore, but she won the floor routine a lot because her music was "Man, I Feel Like a Woman." Oh, yeah. uh, by Shania Twain. And so everyone else is like playing classical music or whatever. And my sister would get up there and go, burr, 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 <laughs> and everyone in the gym would turn and look 
and she would just do awesome. So uh, big Shania Twain fans is all yeah. I'm saying. But That's all great. that to say, um, again, TCU, you beat you beat Texas Tech 51 to 31, and you didn't throw the ball at all. That don't impress me much. <laughs> I think that was the podcast where we talked about beating up kindergartners uh, for way too long, which means any time at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it was a tough season. Yeah. Tough, tough season. All right. So after that, uh, TCU plays Oklahoma. Um, did I do that right? Yeah. Yep. TCU plays Oklahoma. Grant, I, I, I literally watched the first six minutes of this game. I went back and rewatched, but, um, because Quentin Johnston had an amazing performance, but the first six minutes of this game, I was like, yep, we're, we, the end is nigh. Um, yeah. I, I didn't watch any of it live. I, I, I watched the recording, but, um, that's why I had Long Road to Nowhere by Mickey and the Motor Cars, just for the lines. Uh, it's a long road to nowhere and a million miles to go. Because at that point in the season, you realize, oh, hell, this is just going to repeat itself over and over again. Um, yes, I kind of um, I kind of went a different direction. This one isn't as, as 90s here. But same, uh, again, Hayes Carl Beaumont. Yeah. Um, all the way from Beaumont with a right rose in my hand. I could not wait forever, babe. I hope you understand. It's kind of, uh, you know, there was, there was efforts made. There was concessions made. There was hope instilled. There was optimism, uh, fomented. And, uh, you know, just standing there with the white rose, white rose in her hand while Oklahoma just scores at will and TCU is not even close, uh, in, in that game against the top of the conference. Yeah, it was tough. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma's beaten TCU by a lot, a lot, but that one was just the most like, oh, they they just have no shot of winning this game. It's two completely different teams. There's yeah, there was there was just never a chance. Play. Yeah, never a chance. Um, Quentin Johnston that game though was number one on Monday Night Football for you got mossed because he absolutely did moss uh, an Oklahoma defensive back who uh, was terrible. The Oklahoma defensive backs were terrible. Their defense was awful. And um, TCU only did as well as they did because they were forced to let Max Duggan throw because they were down most of the time, but they still ran the ball 37 times in a game that they lost by 21 points. Um, Really makes you think. I have no comment. Really makes you think. Um, All right. So at this point, TCU is three and four. We've officially crossed into losing territory. They have lost three of their last four, and they are one and two in conference play. They host West Virginia. Neil Brown's West Virginia, a team they have not been able to beat, a team they absolutely should have beat. And West Virginia comes in and says, nope, we're going to double Quentin Johnston, and we know you're running the ball. You cannot move the ball because we know you're not going to change. TCU in this game put on an exceptional display of tomfoolery. There were... Uh, false starts on first and 10. There were runs on first and 15 after false starts on first and 10s. There were um, awful trick plays. There were telegraphed plays. There was the halftime grant. This is kind of the seminal moment, and then I'll stop monologuing. At halftime, TCU has the ball down in West Virginia territory. The clock is running out. It is uh, fourth down and, and a few right here at the end of the half. And TCU... Um, at, at, at fourth and goal calls a time or takes a delay of penalty. They call a timeout then they take a delay of game and they don't go for it. They, they kick the field goal and you just felt the air in the stadium. You felt the air in the players kind of deflate. It was only 20 to 17 and um, TC didn't do anything for the rest of the half. So 
Um, this game gets me particularly angry, so I hope you have a good song for this one. Oh, I, no, I, 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 weirdly, I didn't. I had Meet You in the Middle, uh, Parker McCollum, just because the way the season trajectories were going, I felt like, oh, like, West Virginia's on the way up, I'm going down, and I'll, I'll meet you in the middle. But I, I had no good one. Did you? Uh, I do, and this one's going to be kind of... Uh, there's a world where this could have been the SMU one. Uh, but... Uh, I, I thought of Mark Chestnut's, uh, just, uh, I, I can't even put words into it. Mark Chestnut's country standard, uh, going through the big D, uh, the fuse got short and the nights got long. It was over long gone before I knew I was headed. Uh, I'm going through the big D and I don't mean Dallas. I can't believe what the judge had to tell us. I got the Jeep and she got the palace. I'm going through the big D and I don't mean Dallas. Um, this, this felt like the turning point of the season. Looking back, we will say this is the moment that Gary Patterson decided that he was not having fun coaching anymore. Um, the, the TCU lost the Kansas state game at the halftime of the West Virginia game. This this was it. This was absolutely the, the, the point where TCU quit. Um, and, and so, uh, this is, this is the breakup. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next game. Uh, yeah. Look, Kansas State. Kansas State. God, I can't even this talk this about to this me, this to me was the low point of the season. It. So I picked the saddest song I could find uh, that I know. Uh, Clay Pigeons by Blaze Foley. Uh, also covered by John Prine. Uh, I think even Michael Sarah weirdly has a cover. But uh, I'm tired of running around looking for answers to questions I already know. I could build me a castle of memories just to have somewhere to go, and then a little later. Uh, Feed the pigeons some clay, turn the night in the day, and start talking again when I know what to say. I mean, it, it, it that was the pit of despair for me. I hated every minute of that game. Uh, again, I kind I kind of knew you would go uh, the the red dirt road, uh, if you if you will, and so I kind of went the top the top hundred. And so forgive me for being cheesy here, but. Um... Alan Jackson, uh, you left your Bible on the dresser, oh. so I put it in the drawer. Oh. So I can't seem to talk to God without yelling anymore. And when I sit at your piano, I can almost hear those hymns. Keys are just collecting <laughs> dust, but I can't close the lid. Grant, TCU, when they lost to Kansas State 31-12, to uh, uh, Max Duggan on his hobbled foot just running around. Um, they left my heart as empty as a Monday morning church. It used to be full of faith, and now it only hurts. Can we move on to Baylor? Because I I have a song that I, I have a song that I like, uh, and I, again I probably went too obscure for these, but Baylor. Let's I move put, to Baylor. I put Crazy Eddie's Last Raw, uh, the Rapist <laughs> Kelly song, because it's like, look, like I'm going through something real terrible, and you're real happy with your new man, but I'm gonna bring you the f down with me, like it, especially like, because Baylor could have gone to the playoff if they oh, hadn't yeah. lost to TCU. Um, if they had just run the ball more against TCU, honestly, just terrible, terrible play calling. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the, it's they, the they, TCU shot Baylor full of holes from from their toes to the knees. Like, holy cow! Yes, nose yeah. to his knees. Yeah, listen, they probably shot a little sweet pea. It, it, they got drunk at a bar and said, "You know what? I'm going to make every, I'm going to make it everybody else's problem." And Jim Morris, I, I will treasure that game for the rest of my life. It was beautiful. Yeah, I mean that was um that's hard that's just hard to that's just hard to top. That's just a very very funny moment. That was the first week that a fellow Big 12 team decided they were going to try and dunk on my projection 
And so there was like 15 or 20 tweets that were like, no way TCU gets 30. Baylor hasn't given up 30. But I, there was just a lot of online noise from the Baylor folks who have been quiet for a while. And um, it was just excellent, just absolutely excellent that that it went down in that fashion. There was a, a just a horrid woman who was next to us just screeching the entire time. And and being able to clap and, and wish her a safe drive home was just one of the most satisfying moments of the college football season. I'm glad you got to rub it in her face. Dude, she was absolutely the the worst person I've ever met in my entire life. Um, it was awful. That What's game next? was not awful. That game was great. No, the game was um, I, I went the well, – my song for that one was the quote I tweeted at right after when I took the picture. It was Universal Sound by Tyler Childers. Oh, yeah. It was all right then. It was all right here. Uh, just an excellent moment. TCU the next week goes to a game we don't have play-by-play on. We don't have to spend long on it. Oklahoma State makes up for um, all the times that Gary Patterson has beaten Mike Gundy when he shouldn't uh, and wins 63-17. to The Jerry Kill era is not a thing. Officially not a thing um, here as, as, as Jim Knowles just said, nah, you guys aren't going to really move the ball at all. Shout out to uh, Trent Battle for getting a touchdown here. Yeah, I, I actually focused more on what happened elsewhere in the Big 12 that night and just picked uh, congratulations by John. Uh, I went to Obscure again, but congratulations by John Bauman, which is one of the most like spiteful songs I think I've ever heard. And the whole gist of it is, well, you got your new man. Congrats. But Texas, you lost to Kansas. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I'm going to laugh at that. This marriage isn't what you thought it was all cracked up to be. I'm not doing well, but neither are you. And uh, yeah. so we have that to, to bond over. Yeah, that's pretty. that's a pretty good one. Uh, the next week, TCU <laughs> can't say this beat Kansas. Case, damn it, beats Kansas thirty-one to twenty-eight in a game that was uh, extremely losable. Um, very, very, very losable, losable. Grant. I have. I'm trying to find the the line that I want um, from Adam Carroll's "Old Milwaukee's Best," a song I think you and I both love. But uh, uh, oh, yeah, I've read the revelations. I'm not worried in the least. I got a cold six pack of Old Milwaukee and the number of the beast. It's like, look, man, we're, we're here. We're just going to, a win is a win. Pay no close attention to anything that happened on the field, and we'll move on the next week. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good one. I thought of the, um, the John Moreland song uh, I, where he says, I'm the kind of love it hurts to look at. I think it's called Ooh. You Don't Care Enough for Me to Cry. And that's a little emotional. But this is the kind of TCU game you're like, man, we won, but I did not. This was, this was bad. This was real bad to look at um, uh, here. So that's that's what I thought of. Yeah, I listen, I always said Junk Town by Ian No. I mean, I, I got a little little uh, little sad here, but. Yeah, this is, it gets dark. It gets dark. All right, let's let's dark. just keep moving through it, and we'll go through some superlatives and all that um, stuff. So after that, TCU, of course, uh, weirdly because they beat Baylor, has bowl eligibility on the uh, on the table. They go to Iowa State. They play a close game. They are only down seventeen to seven at halftime, and then Matt Campbell really just needed to work out some emotions from kind of uh, failing this season, and they took it out on TCU because. It's easy to beat someone up when they're down. And Iowa State uh, scores, what is that, 31 points in the second half to uh, TC7, and they win 48-14. to 14. Yeah, and I ended with Copper Canteen, another James at Mercury song. But uh, the, the whole gist of the song is kind of being trapped in like a, a marriage where you argue with each other every day, but you love each other at the end of it. And that was that's me with TCU football. It's, 
Look, I'll, we'll take one more spin around the floor of the Copper Canteen. You know, we'll do this. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I really don't have a whole another choice. So I don't necessarily like it, but here we are. Yeah, I ended on a similarly dark note. Uh, Elephant by Jason Isbell. Oh, God. Uh, one the thing darkest seems clear note. to me. What is wrong with you? There's, there's one thing that seems clear to me, and no one dies with dignity, Grant. Uh, Good. <laughs> just God. try to ignore the elephant somehow. So, oof. Uh, it, got, it got bad there at the end. Um, I'm just going to take us uh, naturally into a segue. I asked people to send me the country music song. Yes, I love this. Um, that, that best uh, wrapped up t- uh, TCU's season. And so I'm going to try and. Uh, there's a couple I don't know, so hopefully we can find some lyrics on those. But um, uh, this, I don't, I don't, I don't know I what this one is. Yes, Sorry, please. I, I interrupted you. Landry Purdy's grandma got run over by a reindeer might be perfect. It's <laughs> did so you good. See, did you see his? Uh, he 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 made his own verse too in the yeah. replies there. You may think there's no such thing as offense, but as for me and McGalliard, we believe. Yeah, it, that's pretty good. It works too. Um, okay, so uh, Dusty says uh, Donnie Cowboy parked out by the lake. I've never heard this. Um, the chorus is, and I'm parked out by the lake, 80 miles from Santa Fe. It's the lake that that's parked where I'm at by the lake. And this lake is where I'm parked, 80 miles from Santa Fe. So just isolated out in the desert. Okay, yeah. I get that. Yeah, that works. Which Jerry Kilman uh, is, so good for him. Yeah, quite, quite literally. I don't even think there's a lake uh, by Santa Fe, but yeah, I don't know. I liked uh, Nathan Shreen's uh, Sam by uh, by Sergio Simpson. Uh, just, you know, a great dog, and now he's gone. Yeah. 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 Uh, he was the hound of hounds. He was the wonder of all wonders. Uh, he lived howl at the moon. He lived tree in that raccoon. Yeah. Now he's gone too soon. Everything dies, man. Uh, team Team Radar Love, a uh, friend of the podcast. Uh, don't let me die in Waco, which is funny. I'd rather be a I'd rather die a sooner or dumbass Aggie than go to the land of the Baylor Bears. Uh, very appropriate. Um, wasted days and wasted nights is pretty good uh, by Freddie Fender. Why should I keep loving you when I know that you're not true? And why should I call your name when you're to blame for making me blue? Yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty good one. Um, that was Doug Anders, by the way, that I submitted that. Shout out to Doug Anders. All right, I'm skipping over some of these. Um, I'm going to look at some of these. Judy Ross, there's a tear in my beer. Uh, OG Hank Williams. That works. Um, Daniel Manx, take a step back. Thank you. It, someone had to, you know someone had to say it. That worked. Uh, it, it the birds wasn't, you ain't going. Uh, you say, ain't going nowhere. It, we're talking over each other. That's my fault. I was just going to say it's certainly not game on. My Gary Patterson. No, so, no, no, it's not. Uh, you you ain't going nowhere. The birds is a good one by yes. uh, Infinite Ignorance. Um, Kyle Umlog. If we make it through December, my Merle Haggard. Another good sad one. Yeah, some really good ones in here. Lynn Proudly, crazy Willie Nelson. That works. Um, yeah. yeah, really. Grandma got run over by the reindeer. It's made me laugh ever since someone tweeted at me or tweeted it at us. So. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, shout out to Landry. He was on Michael Felder's podcast. Um, really? Talking about confusing quarterbacks from the secondary is like a 20, 25-minute hit. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think that's called Tape Doesn't Lie. Tape Don't Lie. Tape yeah, Don't Lie podcast. Right. Michael Felder. So go check that out. Um, um, Grant. Oh, one last one. One, just one more song? came in as 
we were talking at Anthony North, Nobody Wins by Chris Christopherson, which, ah. yeah, that works. Yeah, that is, um, that happens, man. <sighs> okay, let's, let's see what else we got here. Um, let's do, let's do high and lows, um, okay. high and high and lows. Um, I think our, I think our high is probably the same. Beating Baylor. Uh, I- I think maybe the Shad Banks interception is just so cosmologically like uh, in the scheme of, of the world, in the scheme of things that have happened and how significant they are. Um, Shad Banks with an interception is the funniest damn thing that has ever happened. Like it, I mean, you can't even put into words that a, a, a former wide receiver commit for Texas tech Came to TCU to play linebacker, didn't play at all, and then played in the first game after Gary Patterson um, went to Left. go get cigarettes and never came back. And <laughs> he intercepts Gary Bohannon and, and TCU wins. Uh, just just an excellent moment. Um, the Quentin Johnston grown man catch, I think for me, was personally validating. Um, we're going to talk MVPs. We're going to talk best players, whatever. I, I mean, I think that he is TCU's best player. By far, um, they did not use him well. But if TCU was going to compete for the Big Twelve this year, he would have been the most productive receiver in in the Big Twelve. They they couldn't make that happen, and they had some defensive issues. But um, I mean, he is he is a freak. He is a freak. Yeah, the Shad Banks interception. I remember I was I, I scared my dog. I was running around the living room. I was getting like FaceTime calls from college friends that I haven't seen in five years. I mean, it was. Just, just a work of art. Yeah, I, I, yeah. it was, uh, it was great. Low point. I, I'm, I'm going back to that Kansas State game. It, that was an eminently winnable game, and TCU had no interest in winning it. Uh, it, it like you said, that team quit at halftime of the West Virginia game, and we saw it for a full sixty minutes against Kansas State. It was a drawn out low point. Yeah, that was that was pretty bad. Um, I mean, because because by the time the Oklahoma State game happened, like I was prepared and I was just numb. Yeah, for sure. And the Iowa State game, I mean, I didn't even you know watch watch with fleeting interest until TCU inevitably said, "Ah, eh, we're not gonna we're not gonna play anymore." So right. What was your low point? Um, I, I really do think it was losing to SMU. I think that SMU down the stretch showed to not be a very good team. And TCU really thwarted their pass offense, which is what's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think in terms of a, a low watermark for the program, um, TCU allowing 350 yards of rushing uh, and only only 245 yards of passing. to, And they intercepted Tanner Mordecai three times. Like they were absolutely disruptive to the SMU pass game. But they could not get a stop, and for so for them to get run over by a, a mediocre uh, G five team, especially with the implications of um, the coaching dynamics that were probably in motion at the time, uh, that that to me seems like the low point. That's just uh, that's just real bad. This isn't you know your quarterback's young. Hey, you made it. You know you know you, you made a mistake. Whatever. This is like no, you just got lined up and beat. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking too the the Texas game, a low point might have been. I mean, I had so much fun at that game, and honestly, like TCU was competitive against a team that didn't make a bowl, but whatever. But 
probably midway through one of Bijan Robinson's 18,000 seven yard runs was when I realized, oh, like they're not going to stop anybody this year. Yeah. It just not going to happen. No, when, 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 when Blaine Gabbert, not Blaine Gabbert, what's his name? Chase Garbers. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, when, when Chase Garbers um, hit multiple deep balls against Cal and the next week SMU just absolutely ran over TCU, you were like, oh uh, yeah, the dream's dead. I think the dream's dead. Yeah. That was the worst part was that those games were so early in the year where you were like, oh, I'm going to have to watch this crap for eight more games. Like it just, just going to be a long, drawn-out, you know, baton death march to the finish. Uh, beatings did continue, and morale did not. No, no. <laughs> I think it got worse. Um, do you want to do – can we just do fast facts with Max Duggan? And then it's we're at like fifty three minutes. Is there yeah, anything else do, on your doc? Do that and do that, and then let's do MVP and uh, on both sides of the ball. Did you know that Max Duggan ran uh, fewer play action passes this year than he did last year? Twenty seven point three percent to thirty three percent of his um, last year. That almost makes sense because of how bad the offensive line was. He just simply would not have had time to fake a handoff. TCU was in a true pass set so few times. Anyway, okay, sorry. Um, he threw fewer screens as well, um, only 14.2% screens. This year, his average depth of target was um, a little bit better. This year, uh, overall, it was 12.0. Early on in the season, it was the highest in the nation. He was at 15 through the first three or four games. They were just absolutely having him chuck it. Um, last year, it was only 103 um, TCU had 13 drops this year. That's uh, 8.2 drop percent compared to his 2021, uh, which was uh, substantially, uh, uh, well, better in terms of total volume, but 7.1% there. Um, finally, I think the last thing I'll say is he was just, he was pressured on 33% of his dropbacks, one and three. His adjusted completion percentage on those dropbacks, Grant, was uh, 69.8%. So nice. Max Duggan running for his life um, still was able to um, have, a, have a markedly better year in terms of completion percentage with more pressure, less play action, fewer RPOs, fewer screens, and a longer uh, depth of, of, of target. So um, th- there are definitely signs that he improved. Um, I, I, I have no delusions that Sonny Dykes will, will not bring in a transfer quarterback. Um, I, I would say it's more likely than not that the Max Duggan era is over at TCU. Um, it's just a shame that like a very fine college player, TCU couldn't find a way to, uh, to succeed with him. Uh, he, he did take a step forward this year. So, um, you also look at, you know, his, his best attribute, his kind of dual threat legs were completely nullified because he had a broken bone in his foot. And so his rushing was not anything like you would expect. Um, but even while he was limited, his passing was was better when, again, TCU asked him to do what he could do well. And that's what I was going to mention, too, is he did all that while being injured for a, a few games. I mean, he, he was banged up throughout the entire year. He kind of always is. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not ready to... So I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just not ready to give the uh, the postmortem on Max's TCU career just yet until we get official word because I need time to emotionally work through and process and um, you know ask my dog what he thinks and all that. So uh, that's what's yeah, fun it, it about college football, sad. though, is if if we get to see Max more, that's great, and I'm very excited about it. If we get a new quarterback and there's a new era, we get to be excited about him unless he sucks, and then we can 
go from there. <laughs> I'll talk myself in anybody. Just trust me on that. Well, I won't, but I, I will talk. I'll definitely talk myself out of yelling that the quarterback is the problem. Like if the quarterback's the problem, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we talked about Alex Delton, so yeah. I feel like I was on Crazy Island back then. I was still podcasting by myself, and I was like, why the hell are we starting Alex Delton? <laughs> you were shouting into a microphone as your wife looked on concerned. No one that was my Alex, my Alex Jones days. <laughs> I, I was going to make that comparison. I'm glad you, you did. So That's so InfoWars. Okay, let's do MVP and LVP before we get ourselves into trouble and I start talking about, oh my God, I just thought about an Alex Jones line that I can't say on this podcast. Parker, who's your defensive MVP? I'm commandeering this segment. My defensive MVP. Okay, I'm tempted, right? I'm tempted to make it um, Dylan Chad Dylan. Banks just Dick. just for the one play. <laughs> Um, I really do think that my the, the defensive MVP is Trevious Hodges Tomlinson. Yeah. Um, he was asked to do a lot more in the run game because he was covering. He was asked to um, he was asked to be on an island by himself a lot more than he was last year, and as a result, um, was targeted. And so, not that he's not good at being on his own, Grant, but basically uh, because the the dang safeties didn't know what they were doing and had to cover for. Slaw CJ Caesar over there. Um, Tomlinson was just isolated with no help over the top. Still only allowed a 32.7 reception percent and, um, you know, only two touchdowns on the, on the year. Uh, uh, He uh, passed breakup 14, uh, 14 times. So like very, very good play from him, despite the fact that the defense, which, you know, depends on everyone else on the field was very, very thin, especially in the past game. I think that, it's kind of a sweet spot for TCU. I feel like he did bad enough that he's going to come back. Yep. Um, but he's still really, really good. Maybe he'll be underrated going into next season. That would be ideal. Maybe. Yeah. We have unanimity there. Um, I also picked Travis Hodges-Tomlinson. He, like you said, he was asked to do a ton. And he didn't do all of it. But he was asked to do so much that he gets a bit of a pass for that. And the things that he was asked to do last year that he did this year, he was just as good, if not better at. Uh, there's a reason we say C.J. Caesar's name so many times in this podcast. It's because offenses were ready and willing to not throw the ball in THT's direction. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, he's definitely the defensive MVP in my book. Um, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, do you want to go uh, offense? Because I think we disagree here. So, I'm guessing you have Quentin Johnston as your offensive MVP. As my offensive MVP, uh, no, like I want him to have been the offensive MVP. That would have been um, ideal, but I, I think my offensive MVP is going to end up being Darius Davis. Hmm. Okay. I mean, he, I mean, down the stretch, just absolutely saved a couple games. Um. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that's not like a normative who's the best receiver, who's the best player, whatever. I think that's just saying if you look at what he did all season, I mean, 103 yards in the Kansas game, 63 yards in the Iowa State game, 81 against Baylor, 78 against Kansas uh, State. Really like West after the West Virginia game, when stuff started going to hell, he kind of took up the mantle. You know, he had a couple of West Virginia game. He had the return. Um, 
and he just really took on a lot and and was pretty good at it. Obviously, Oklahoma State game they they took him away, um, but uh, but otherwise, I mean, I, I I think that he's the guy. Um, when everyone else kind of lost their minds, he was the guy who said, no, 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 I know what to do. Like, I've got a plan. I can, I can step up. So for that, I'm giving it to Darius Davis. You're not going to like my answer. Are you going to say Steve? No, I'm not going to say Steve. Um, well, valuable and best are two different things for sure. Yeah. But I lean more towards it's closer to best than it isn't. I'm giving it to Zach Evans. Um, Zach Evans kicked absolute ass for six games. Absolute ass. More ass than anyone else kicked on TCU's roster this year in a span of 12 games. He rips. He rocks. He's cool. I like Zach Evans. He's my MVP. He's great. Um, he is very good. Uh, he He's the best player on TCU's roster. On uh, for Well, he won't be no. next year. but No, he's not. I think Quentin Johnston is better than Zach Evans. I well, you and I disagree, but that's fine. Um, that's what two white guys on a podcast do. You can you can be wrong. Um, it is funny that Zach Evans had six runs of ten or more yards against Cal um, and four against Texas Tech. So realistically, uh, Zach Evans had six hundred forty-eight yards and what two hundred and thirty. So more than a more than a third of those were against Texas Tech and Cal. Um, well, those are two. I mean, those are two thirds of the games he played in. Excellent. It is a shame that he uh, did not. Um, it's a shame that he was not in, more involved in the passing game. It is a shame that he did not feel like TCU was a situation. Uh, it, no, let me rephrase that. It is a shame that TCU was not a situation um, worth him stretching himself and challenging himself. And I do believe he will go to an SEC school and be immediately a contributor. Yeah, it was seven yards of carry, 4.3 yards after contact. He picked up 17 first downs on the run. Or excuse me, 17, yards of ten, or 17 runs of 10 or more yards. Uh, Zach Evans rips. 30 first downs was absolutely like, hey, if you need yards, Zach Evans will get you those yards. He was awesome. He brought me any any spark of joy that Chandler Morris didn't bring this year on offense was pretty much solely due to Zach Evans. I, I don't care. He's my MVP. I, I think that's fair. I, I give awards to people who play for the team, um, but that's okay. That Well, that that's a different discussion, and that's that's sure. I'm just saying valuable means a lot of things. It's it, it uh, subject to interpretation. Yes, it is. Um. Grant, okay, we've just hit an hour, um, and I'm surprised I haven't had to like get up and go to the bathroom. That's impressive. Um, let's uh, we'll, we'll talk bowls. We'll do we'll do some other stuff. Um, who do you got in Army Navy this weekend? Uh, Dad was a submariner on the USS Silversides for uh, four years after nuclear power school. So go Navy. Interesting. I, I I really enjoy this game. I hope it snows. It's always more fun. When it snows, um, my my model has Army pretty handily, but man, Navy's been playing a little better, and Army seems to play down to their competition. So, be interesting to watch for sure. I, I think I'd lean Army. I mean, shoot, they've scored fifty six points against Wake Forest. Oh, but um, these games are I, always crazy. Who do I have winning, and who do I have pulling for? Two totally different things. Yeah. I, I, oh I'm yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The um, over is thirty four. It's the line. <laughs> That's why I love Army Navy. What's the weather? I hope it's twenty degrees and miserable. seventeen to fourteen is a, a cut. Like se- yeah, seventeen to fourteen isn't a cover, 
or is it is an under? Yeah, like that seems like a lot of points. I don't know. Oh, this game's played in Baltimore every year, right? Let's see. Um, uh, it's East Rutherford, New Jersey, I believe now. Oh, is it? Okay, I thought not now. Just this the week. Ravens. Okay, let's see. East Philadelphia Rutherford. or something. I don't know. I think they move it. Okay, well, this is we're doing this live just because I want to. I hope it's like. Did you watch the Buffalo Bills and the Patriots on a Monday? I saw some pictures from it. I don't really watch the NFL, but um, yeah, I lost my fantasy game because the weather was so bad. Uh, let's see. Navy Army location, blah, blah, blah. We don't need to do this live, but I'm doing it anyway. Oh, whatever. It's not giving me a location. Anyway. I go need Navy that daylight Army. music. What did you say? Oh, MetLife Stadium. Yeah, that's East Rutherford. So it's uh, 34 degrees now. It'll be... Oh, man. It's, it'll, be, it'll be raining. So yeah, take the under. Interesting. I hope that turns to snow. Um. Yeah, cool. Well, Grant, this has been a um, a good, long, emotionally uh, charged um, way to process the terrible 2021 TSU season. The new era has um, has arrived, uh, for better or for worse, and there are good and bad things about the hires that are going on. Oh, um, um, we should mention an hour and five minutes into this podcast that TCU has hired Billy Gillespie, or not Billy Gillespie, good Lord, uh, Joe Gillespie to be a... Uh, <laughs> To be its new defensive coordinator, Billy Gillespie yeah, would be Dykes an inspired is a choice, real but... alternative approach, man. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to. I, I, I'm going to have to reconcile with this. I don't want to do this every freaking time. No, no. The dude well, coached in high school with Art Bryles. Evidently, he and Art Bryles didn't get along, but he still worked. Uh, but, he played. But, but he worked with him. Yeah. And then the cornerbacks coach is coming. I think there's a line of demarcation of people who were at Baylor during that time. Of who was in power and who wasn't, and so I, there's some a little bit of generosity about like okay, a cornerbacks coach or like we have without saying anything specific. Cause I'm trying not to, but like we have some good friends who mm-hmm. worked during mm-hmm. there during that time and have said like, dude, I was I was not anyone in the charge, had no idea what was going on. That's horrendous. Like uh, my my line is just I would just love for the two individuals who have been hired by TCU uh, who worked with Bryles uh, at Baylor during the time that Bryles and his administration were covering up sexual assaults to say, Hey, we, we did things badly. Um, I was responsible for that. And um, I, I, I take blame and I specifically, um, you know, condemn that. And that, that hasn't happened. We've got a lot of wishy-washy kind of hand, hand wavy stuff. And so that, that sucks. I don't want to do that every time. I, I, no, I, no. We'll I, I'm that out. sorry. Like, I wasn't it just sucks. It sucks a bit. I'll say, I'll say for Gillespie, he played for, I think he played for art. At Stephenville, I think he coached with Art at Stephenville, but I don't think he coached under Art at Baylor. If I got that right, no, he didn't. And, he yeah, in yeah. high school. So the cornerbacks coach that he's bringing was right. at Baylor yeah. uh, the entire time. Yeah, right. And I, I have heard a lot of like local on the ground gossip about how things went at Stephenville, but I don't think they were like Baylor bad. So um, yeah, I don't. Well, and, and evidently Baylor. Gillespie and um, and Bryles had a falling out or something. Yeah. Like they didn't like each other. Well, and other than that, I think I'm happy with what he did at Tulsa. We'll talk about this more, I'm sure, in another edition. Well, of this but podcast. you know who the head coach at Tulsa is? Remind me. Is Phil Montgomery, who is also oh, big, like well. TCU is hiring from the Bryles tree, um, which is disgusting. Yeah. Uh, well, doing it and saying it was a different time and he's been vetted. That's disgusting. That's what it is. Yeah. I thought we were about to end this podcast on a hopeful note, and I brought up the well, hire of a defensive I mean, coordinator. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, no, I, I would. I would it. like for this to not be the case, right? Like, I have no one to blame but myself. Well, no, you don't have to blame. <laughs> it's not you. Um, 
Yeah. Well, we'll be back. I don't know. I will be back sometime next week. We'll do some bowl stuff, I guess. Um, we'll probably talk about uh, Big 12 bowls because there's some yeah. really fun, good ones. So we'll Check do we'll do some of that especially. in some form. Yeah. Next week, and and maybe we'll again we'll try and get our ducks in a row and watch. I've been watching a little bit of Garrett Riley and uh, have almost all eleven plays of my air raid box checked off uh, through through two games. <laughs> so he's been uh, he's been pretty fun. We can talk some more to that this off season too. Um, Grant, you got anything else? No, sir. Cool. Well, this has been the uh, Purple Theory podcast, tying a bow on 2021's TCU. Um, you can find me on Twitter at. Stats O War. You can find Grant on Twitter at Grant McGalliard, spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. And uh, until next time, go frogs. Go frogs.